0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church. Transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ.
1: Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish, Dad. You know that. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a (laughs) rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the... Smorgasbord, you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day. By day. Day by day. By day. Oh. Dear Lord. Three things. We pray. To love thee more dearly. To see thee. More clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day amen amen oh greg that was lovely thank you greg that was interesting too
2: well poor greg uh he's got to just meet the parents but not just that he's got to pray poor guy uh, what is it about prayer? What is it about prayer that's so awkward and so intimidating and makes us think we've got to come up with something special or, or crazy to say or inspir- inspirational? Um, what we're doing in this series of messages on prayer is talking about how we can keep it normal and we can keep it natural. And uh, it's really hard to do that, but uh, it's so important to learn that we can pray in normal, natural ways and connect with God. And last week, we got it started by talking about just the importance of creating a daily time with God, and we talked about having a set time and a place to go. Uh, We call it chair time, where you go and you connect with God in in your chair time. And we talked about the importance of being really specific, not, you know, just not trying to come up with something, but pray whatever's on your mind and uh, be specific about those things. You know, like... Right now, you know, it's obviously the cardinals need our prayers, uh, and the royals obviously do not. <laughs> but it's daring and bold to, to say to God specifically what it is that needs prayer. Um, this past week, there was an incident at Alice Pittman School, our neighborhood school. We've, we do ministry in that school, and Principal Laura was confronted uh, with a knife by a biological parent. And, We've been talking with her, and we shared that we would be praying for her. And she said that, yes, please pray for us and pray for our students and pray for our staff, but particularly pray for the young girl um, whose mom um, went through that incident with a knife. And so, you know, as these things happen every day, real life stuff, we can pray and, and be specific and be real with God. And today, uh, what we want to do is talk about the real way that we can pray with God by using the Scriptures through the Bible. How do you pray the Scriptures, the verses of Scripture? You know, when you think about the Bible, I, I, I see there's kind of three basic ways that people tend to use the Bible. One is to kind of keep it at a very surface level. Now, statistics tell us in our country only about 10 to 20% of Americans crack open the book uh, every day. So there's a real minority of us that are even even looking at Scripture. And those of us who do, I think many times we keep it at a surface level. By that I mean we we just kind of, it may be a mile long but an inch deep. In fact, I've been a part of those programs where you read the Bible through every year and I'm, I'm not knocking that, uh, but just saying, boy, you read four chapters and, and you, you, you read it and you get her done and you go on to something else. And, and it's so easy for us just to, okay, I got my questions, get my pat answer through the Bible, and I, I did that. It's kind of like the guy that walked into the store and said, I'd like to have $5 worth of God, just $5 worth. Not enough to change my life or make me love somebody I don't want to love. Just enough to kind of keep me comfortable, make sure I'm on my way to heaven. (laughs) And so I think one of the ways that we can use the Scripture is we just kind of keep it really surfacey. A second way is that through scholarship, and if we've been to uh, universities and colleges, we've taken our religion courses, our Bible courses, many of us have been introduced to form criticism and literary criticism, and there's a place for scholarship. A good, responsible scholarship's a good thing, knowing about the genre of a text, knowing about the literary devices of a text, and yet it's interesting how that in this so-called scholarship, oftentimes there's presuppositions behind the scholarship involved, And uh, we do a good way of demythologizing and de-emphasizing miracles and healings and any relationship with the living God. We just kind of stand back at the text and we look at it. But, you know, there's limitations to just knowing who said what when and really having a, a transformative relationship with God. So that's limiting. One of my heroes in the faith is Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer died before he was 40 years old uh, to the hands of the Nazis in 1945. Bonhoeffer was not just a Christian martyr. He was a prophet. He was a pastor. He was a professor. And he studied under the great German theologians. And he studied under the understanding of, uh, of modern scholarship. But he went beyond that. Bonhoeffer as a pastor and as a professor would take the Scripture and would teach the students to read a portion of Scripture and sit with it and wait and meditate on it and listen for God to say something to you from that Scripture each day. When they came and took Bonhoeffer, the Nazis arrested him. When they came to his house, he went back to his room and he brought one thing with him. Now, if they were taking you off, what would be the one thing you would take with you? Bonhoeffer took the Bible. And for the next two years, in three different prisons, before he went to the gallows and lost his life, they say that Bonhoeffer read and meditated and prayed through the scriptures every morning. And this guy thrived in prison. He thrived by having an experience with God, by loving on everybody, by loving his guards, by loving his fellow prisoners, by having services, by keeping up his spirit. And till that day when they poked him on the shoulder and said, Prisoner Bonhoeffer, come with us. Everyone knew what that meant. He was going to his death, and he whispered to his inmate, friend, This is the end, but for me, it is the beginning. So Bonhoeffer was someone that, yes, appreciated scholarship, but he also looked at the Scripture to the source And what I would suggest to us is that if we look at Scripture, and we look at Scripture in a way that we believe that it is the source and the ways in which God will speak to us in living, fresh ways, and we're not here just to kind of master the material and know what the Bible says, but we believe that God would speak to us through the Scripture, that the God of the Bible and the God behind the Bible, and not just the written Word, but there was an oral Word behind the written Word, and there's the living Word of God. In Hebrews 4, it tells us that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so, friends, if you and I can learn to pray with the Scripture, sit with the Scripture every day, not read a lot of Scripture, but go deep with that scripture that we have in hand, and wait for God to speak to us through that living Word. We can listen and we can hear from God, our source. As I was working on this message, Diane Joy sent me an email. And uh, Diane Joy, it's easy for me to remember her name Joy because she's such a joy. She works at uh, serves at renovate. She serves in her food pantry. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's got kids. Um, And she talks about the time in which she was in her 20s. And I think 20s is one of the roughest decades in life. I just heard statistics this week that tell us that uh, while longevity is up in this country, the suicide rate in this country is up about 25%. And the decade of the 20s is a very traumatic time for many young adults. And she was experiencing that dying joy as a young adult. She talks about how broken she was, how overwhelmed she was with shame and guilt and disconnected and to have a sense of hopelessness in her life. She was severely depressed, suicidal, and she said she was just flipping through the channels one day on television, and she came across this kind stranger, she calls him on television, and the kind stranger just spoke to her and said, are you tired of being broken? Do you need to be healed? Do you need to be set free? And she said she found herself praying with this kind stranger. And from that experience, something happened to her. She said there was a warmth that came over her that she could not explain. There was something that happened to her out of this world. She calls it the Holy Spirit. And she said that Jesus did set her free that day. And she said when she began then to read the Scripture, it was just like the words leapt off the page, and God became incredibly real to her. What happened to Diane Joy was that she got to the source, and she entered into a relationship with God. You know, the way that we come to God is different. I'm not suggesting it's one way or or exactly going to be the same way to all of us, But but the The deal is that we can all get to the source, and we can all have a living, real, ongoing relationship and dialogue with God. And that's very much the heart of prayer, and that's very much the reason why we should read the Scripture in the first place. So in the time that I got remaining, I want to uh, just give you two examples of how you can pray with the Scriptures. And one is the Psalms. Now, in the Bible, there are, is the book of Psalms, and the book of Psalms, if you opened up your Bible, if you had a literal uh, translation, a copy in front of you, and you opened it up, chances are you'd probably just come to the Psalms. And the, there's 150 different Psalms written over the centuries by different kings, King David, uh, different writers, but the wonderful thing about the Psalms are it's a book of uncommon prayer. It's a book that gives us the permission to say to God whatever's on our mind. And so sometimes the psalmist is venting at God, angry at God, accusing God. Sometimes the psalmist is rejoicing and being grateful and thankful. But the psalms, they see they give us this permission to work through our emotions. Now, I've got I to say this. You and I are living in a fast food culture in society. And we want it quick, we want it instantaneous. The Psalms are not fast food. So if you're into just a quick fast food diet, it's not going to work for you. I just want to be honest with you. But it's some of the best nutrition that you can have in your life. And if you could begin to read a Psalm a day, even when they don't seem to make sense to you, and if you read that out loud and they build and they grow you begin to get a sense of rhythm in your life, that you begin to understand in the depths of who you are that you have these feelings and you have these thoughts and you can say anything you want to to God. And that's what the Psalms do. Let's look at Psalms 43 just real quick together. I'm going to read the first screen. I'm going to ask you to read the second screen. There are just five quick verses, but notice as we read these words the different expressions and the emotions and the thoughts that are being expressed in this brief prayer. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you cast me off? Why must I walk about mournfully because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, whom again I shall praise, my help and my God. The Psalms were Jesus' prayer book, and they were Jesus' hymn book. And he learned to pray those psalms as a little child. Again, I would encourage you to try this, to read a psalm a day, every day out loud, and begin to see what begins to build and grow in you. Now, there's another practice I want to introduce to you today. It's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina, sacred reading is a practice. It's been around since the third or fourth century. It's something that deep people or people that want to go deeper with God have a way of listening to God in the Scripture. It was Bonhoeffer's way of listening to the Word of God and believing that God actually wants to say something to us every day. It's a way of slowing down. It's not going a mile long and an inch deep. It's It's just reading a brief portion of Scripture and letting God speak into your life. On the front of your Pray, Study, Grow, you'll notice that there's uh, this graphic, and there's four movements to Lectio Divina, this divine reading. And Lectio is the reading where you just read the Scripture the first time, and you just ask the question, well, what is the Scripture saying? Just letting the meaning of the Scripture speak to you. Then you read it the second time, and you meditate on it. What is the Scripture saying to me personally? What's the Scripture saying to me personally? What's God wanting to say to me? It's like the Holy Spirit might take a highlighter, and He just highlights one phrase or one word. And then the third time you read it, or ratio, you enter into dialogue with God. Okay, God, if you're really saying this to me, maybe you have a question you want to ask God. Or maybe there's a specific action that God is wanting you to take. And then finally the last step is just contemplation where you sit and relax and enjoy God's presence for a few moments. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually demonstrate this. We're going to do this. Four people are going to join me. These four people may be you. I'm asking for volunteers. So Who's game? Who will come up and join me? Lectio Divina. These guys are just stagehands. They're just putting the chairs up. So I need four people to join me. And we're going to do this exercise called Lectio Divina. Who wants to come? I have one, two, three, one One more. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. So, if you don't mind, just say your first names.
3: David.
2: David. Emily. Emily.
3: Ellen.
2: Anna. Ellen and Anna. Thank you for joining me. I'm Bob. And, you know, it's a little bit harder up here in the spotlight, everybody watching, but I would like to encourage all of you to be uh, just doing this yourself and listening to the Word of God as I read it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this three times. And the first time I read Lectio Divina, read, uh, I'm going to read Mac- Matthew 5, 1 to 10. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Just, I will just ask you to listen, and each of you, after you listen, what is, what is God saying to me, okay? Just listening to the words So in just a sentence or two, whenever you're ready, using the microphone, what, is, what does this text mean? What does it say? What is God saying in the text?
0: That didn't help. Okay. <laughs> To me, it um, is just saying that um, God is acceptive of of all types of people.
2: Okay. Thank you. What is the text saying?
3: Uh, I just hear that um, there's lots of ways that I can grow closer to God. Like, I don't think I'm very close yet to meekness and pureness.
2: Okay. What is the text saying to you? Uh, what is the text saying? Either of you ready? It's okay if you're not.
0: Well, I would have to say that basically, in some ways, I think it's like he wants, God would like you to act like basically be genuinely the good person, and in that in, even though you don't see the results in the beginning, you will see them in the end.
2: Thank you. It's okay if, if, if you don't have something. Well, it's pretty much already said that He's just patient. He wants us to be patient. He's not judgmental. Exactly. Now, I'm going to read the text a second time, and this time just we're going to relax, and as I read the Word, uh, what is the text saying to me personally is the question. What is, what is God saying to me personally? for they will obtain mercy, receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." So is there a personal word or a particular verse that speaks to you personally? For me, it's uh, the pure in heart. What would it be like to be single, have a singleness in heart where I could really see God? Anyone else get a kind of a personal word to you?
0: Uh, the word that spoke to me almost immediately was Jesus saw, which is an uh, active thing um, that he's kind of with us, touching us, it's an active event. Jesus saw. Um, I would have to say about the part about the peacekeepers being the children of God because like, I feel especially today in society, so people are so quick to anger and they always want to fight or you know, basically just be bullies in a way.
2: Peacemakers is a word that really is speaking to you. Thank you. Any word to you personally, either, either of you?
3: I'm not quite sure if I want to inherit the earth as it is, but as it's supposed to be and as Christ is bringing it to what it is, um, I guess the meekness is what really speaks to me. Okay.
2: Okay, I'm going to read the Word one more time, and as I read the Scripture one more time, is there a particular action or response that you have? It might be a question. So so the third time we read it, we're entering into dialogue with God. What do I need to say in response to God? When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up the mountain, and after He sat down, His disciples came to Him. Then He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So is there a personal action that you may be called to do or a question you might have to God in response to what God's saying to you?
0: Um, to me, it's, uh, it's God trying to tell me to open my eyes, to look around me, and see people as they are, um, and not just see the, what society would call the pretty people, um, but to see everybody um, that fall into all these categories, the people that are poor spirit and those kind of things that are mourning and just to, to me, he's, he's calling me to, to open my eyes up and do what He did and see them. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Anyone else have a, a word that you feel like a, a response, a question, or an action you're called to do?
3: What kind of came to my mind is that um, I've always kind of gone at this thinking about me being blessed for doing or changing or whatever. and It was like, they're blessed because we bless them. And so it kind of was like, Ellen, go out and bless other people that are in these different circumstances. So David, I guess it's kind of along what you were saying too.
2: Okay. Anyone else? I think I'm being called to simplicity and just seeing what is there, not what's not there. But give me eyes to see, God, what you want me to see and respond. I want to thank all these who came up to demonstrate this today. What we're going to do as our final step is just to be quiet just for a few moments, a moment. And uh, that contemplation is just sitting and relaxing and enjoying God's presence. So let's rest in God's presence.